Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today, I'm joined with Bruce Miller, who's an author, speaker, and pastor. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for joining in to another episode of the podcast. Super excited for today, speaking with Bruce Miller, and we dig into some important topics today, really around you know what some have called apologetics, um, but really it's just discovering and understanding your faith, the faith. So we uh, tackle some, some big questions today. Um, what is the purpose of life? Is Christianity exclusive or inclusive? Is the Bible a trustworthy source of knowledge? We explore these and we encourage you to investigate, to discover, to really um, articulate uh, these these truths, these um, beliefs for yourself. Um, and so super excited for today's conversation. I think it's really important that we do this in our faith walk, in our journeys, wherever we are, um, so that we can really come to grips and personal conviction as it's um, definitely important. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Bruce. One last thing before we jump into the podcast today, if you've been enjoying these podcast episodes or if you'd like to stay in touch and in contact for all the latest podcast updates as well as uh, things we're considering for the future, and also if you have guests you'd like to see on the podcast or news that you'd like to hear about, please sign up for our newsletter at theguyslikeus.com. Again, it's theguyslikeus.com. Scroll to the bottom and you'll find our newsletter. Thanks so much. Bruce, thanks so much for joining me and the Guys Like Us podcast. It's an honor to be here, Tyler, man. Thanks for inviting me to be on the show. Oh, certainly, certainly. This is, um, you know, the, the topics that I think we're going to be talking about today are touch, touch to home. And really, this is the kind of the genesis of the podcast is discovering our faith and really coming to terms right. and understanding, being able to articulate some of these kind of big things, big, big topics, big components of our faith that uh, shape our lives to, to be more, more like Jesus. And so thank you for the, the work that you're doing and, um, and just your, yeah, your, your faithfulness in it. You bet. You're welcome. So I would love to just share a little bit more. So again, there's uh, the, the book that you just released came out in October. So congratulations. Um, Thanks. I know you've done some, some, you know, some other works as well. And um, as you mentioned with a, uh, your past book and it's a little, a little bit different than, than this book as well and so want to just hear a little bit more about your background kind of orient our listeners um, and then from that just kind of what got you interested in you know this uh, I guess the word maybe is apologetics or being able to kind of explain or you know some of the or even process some of these big things of the faith yeah I grew up in the Texas area Dallas area in Texas and um, always kind of a thinker sort of a guy and interested in philosophy, theology, those sorts of questions from a young age. And I realized these, these are questions that people are asking all over the world. And in fact, it wasn't me who came up with these seven questions. Yeah, the book's called The Seven Big Questions, but it was a, a guy who did some internet research on what are the top questions people are asking in search engines all around the world about faith, hmm. spirituality, God. And these are the seven questions. And I thought, man, we... we 
these are important, and they're not just questions that people who are asking who are mm. atheist or agnostic or not Christian. I mean, Christians are asking these questions as they right. wrestle with their own faith, yeah. their own doubts, mm-hmm. and try to explore what's this all about and how do I know for sure mm-hmm. what I believe. No, absolutely, and I think that's that's important. And actually, I was going to ask: is this me? Is this you know these questions that are being asked by people who are who are skeptics of the faith, or is this this is what I'm hearing? It's we're hearing people who are, but also people within, you know, Christians or people who are you know have grown up in the faith who are uh, really trying to understand some of these big questions as well. Yeah, you probably have heard how a lot of people these days are deconstructing their faith. They'll use that terminology. But essentially, people are wondering, is this really all true? You might have been raised in a church, maybe not, or a Christian school or whatever. But now asking, mm-hmm. man, is it everything I believe, is everything I was taught by my parents or grew up with, is it really true? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of uh, church settings, religious settings, mm-hmm. doubt is frowned on. Questions are not always well-received. Mm-hmm. Some settings they are, but a lot of settings are not. Mm-hmm. And it's more threatening. And so my yeah. book is inviting people, man, ask your questions. Unfold your doubts. Don't run right. away from them, but run to them. And that's right. We're, let's don't be scared of the truth. Let's let's go after it. Let's ask some questions. And even in a church setting, to say, yeah, I'm just wondering, is there really a God? I mean, I know it kind of sounds heretical to ask that, but I'm just I've got some doubts, you know. Hmm. And I think it's interesting. You know, I'm the the church I'm part of as well. I you know will have visited small groups and have been involved in will go in here and what people are processing, how they're kind of going about the teaching, you know, and um, there is a real uh, hesitancy to ask questions, to right. feel like you're not as knowledgeable, that you're not a theological whiz who has the, the, the five point sermon ready or whatever, right? Or the, the, the five reasons uh, why this is true or, and then, but also just, oh, I, I feel like this is such a basic question too, right? You know, what is grace? I mean, well, I don't want to sound like an idiot. Right, right. On the other hand, you don't want to sound like um, that you don't believe. Like it's, it's you know, it's like, right. well, I'm in a church or I'm in a small group at a church. I'm supposed to believe the Bible and Jesus and God and be absolutely certain about all of it. So I certainly right. don't want to. You know, say I, I mean, I look like I'm a bad person if I say I'm not so sure the Bible is really reliable or is Jesus really God? I mean, he's a great guy, but is that really the case? Sure. You know, and yet, so I'm probably what I'm trying to do is open the door to say, yeah, it's okay to ask these. Not only is it okay to ask these questions, it's actually healthy for your faith, right? To ask these kind of questions. Um, yeah, you may check the box, Christian, and go to a church, but that doesn't mean you, you don't have these questions. That's a yeah. the, most most human beings in their faith journey in their life have had seasons of doubt, and most people live with some level of doubt mm. all the time. That's right. It, well, it's fascinating. You mentioned is Jesus God, and I mean that's been a there's been that's been a, a question of history. People have it, tried yes. to, people have tried to understand what is the relationship in the Trinity. What is the understanding of Jesus to sure. the Son, you know, Jesus as the Son to the Father to the Spirit. How, how do they all relate? How are they? And so that that I mean, in the bigger picture, that's been a that's been a question for a long time too. Um, and so I, I guess that is the question, right? What is you, these are kind of some of the most Googled, you know, really t- top right. of top of mind questions. How do you when you when you came across these from your years of uh, experience in ministry? Do do these resonate with some of the questions that were being asked? 
you know, 10, 20 years ago? Or do you think that these are, these are some new questions that are starting to come to the surface? I think these are somewhat perennial questions. You know, these are questions that everyone needs to ask for themselves and every generation needs to ask freshly. But on an encouraging side, they have been asked over hundreds of years and there's good answers that people have worked on that's not brand new with me. Um, but everyone needs to freshly discuss what you what you'll find is you don't just like believe something because someone tells you, but what you discover on your own, what you explore and wrestle through for yourself, then you can really form mm -hmm. convictions mm -hmm. and make your faith your own. And so while these questions have right. been asked by lots of people for a long time, you haven't asked them for a long time. This is your question that you're asking right now that really matters for you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there are serious questions. I, yeah. While these questions have been asked, they also people dodge these questions. Like the opening question, question one in the book is, does life have a purpose? Right. And I find a lot of people are nervous to ask these questions because they're kind of scared of the answer. Like, what if the answer is there's not a God or there's not a purpose or Jesus isn't God or there's not really good hard evidence? Like, right. just going to have to take a leap of faith blindly in the dark. And so people just get caught up in work and sure. kids and video games and sports and don't slow down enough to ask questions that we really ought to ask. So on that, that first question, I think that's um, definitely pressing and we see the rates of, you know, anxiety, depression, suicide, right. addiction. And there's, I think partially it's signaling there's a, there's not a clear understanding of what purpose and what my purpose is, what the purpose is of us as people here on earth. And so how have you kind of, you know, if we, if you wouldn't mind just kind of digging into oh, just sure. a few of these questions. Yeah, yeah. And in post COVID it's gotten even worse. And I think looking around the world and you know, the war in Russia, Ukraine, you're like, are we going to have a nuclear disaster or climate change? Are we just going to mess up our whole world? You start wondering what's the purpose? Like what's going on? And other people ask it out of boredom. It's like, man, every day is the same. I get up, eat some breakfast, go to work, come home, eat some dinner, watch some TV, go to bed and do it all over again. Like Groundhog Day, same day all over again. What's the point? And people are sometimes people are surprised to find out there's a whole book in the Bible on this, which hmm. is the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think it was written by Solomon. I'm not sure. <clears throat> but he's asking the question, what's the point of life? And... He's a person who had, sometimes we wonder if I had just enough money or enough opportunity, I could find some meaning in life. I could do something or buy something that would make it worthwhile. Mm. And he had all the money. He was the most powerful man in the world in his day, the, the richest man. Mm. And he tried it all, did mm. it all, bought everything, every kind of pleasure and possible thing you could do, build, create. And his conclusion was it's all meaningless. And older translations, vanity, vanity, but meaningless, meaningless. And that's where he landed, which is kind of tough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's a phrase through the book that people miss, and it's the phrase under the sun. So meaningless appears like 38 times in the book, but under mm -hmm. the sun appears a whole bunch of times. And what he's saying is if you just look at life under the sun, like just this earth, just this lifetime, yeah, it is meaningless. The hint is you've got to look above the sun. And it's looking to God where you can actually find meaning in life that you can't find in just what's going on in this world, just making a little more money, going on a little better vacation, buying a little better car, 
just not going to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's it. I, a lot of folks I interact with, and perhaps you're listening, and in, in, you, you have a lot of you know a lot of things going for you. What is the need for um, for kind of you know to buy another car, to have to buy to build or big you know another house, um, to climb up the corporate ladder or whatever that is. And you're finding it's, it, there's always a desire for more, but at the same time, there's this, this also this, I don't know, it, it doesn't satisfy maybe that desire. I think that we've, that, that we see. And, um, I think it's, yeah. So I, I guess what is the, you know, as we look through the, the scriptures and look kind of through the, the worldview of kind of the Christian worldview, what is the, the antidote or what is the, 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 the great purpose that I think, yeah. I think you're right, Tyler. I mean, there's a hint inside each of us. There's this, there's this gnawing feeling like there's got to be something more. And Solomon puts it somewhat poetically in Ecclesiastes. He says, God has set eternity in our hearts. Set eternity in our hearts. And I think what he's communicating is, there is we are made for something more, more than this life. There is something beyond this life. And what we do now hmm. can matter, not only for this life, but for eternity. Mm. And um, I think that inside of us, we kind of realize something's wrong with this world. Like, it isn't supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this hard, this broken, this painful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this evil. And we're exactly right. right. It's not. And so where purpose is found is in God and in what he made us for, which is not only for this life, but for the next life, too. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. And I, it's... And I think there's all moments when we can look around us and see there's there's you see moments of really of real beauty or real things that are exciting and bring joy and bring happiness. Right. We can also see brokenness, but that there's in the midst of the brokenness, there's still this opportunity for something to be beautiful or restored or the broken pieces put in put back together to create something even more beautiful or new. Um and I think we can identify with that. And then if it's true, right, that this is there is a promise for an eternal place, an eternal kingdom, then what is happening here is kind of a, a foretaste or it's a little preview, yeah. right, of, of what's to come. So I think that's... And then you begin asking, what does last forever? What is eternal? And that leads you toward finding purpose when you start right. asking those kind of questions because you, like you said, you buy a new car, you even find beauty, you do something nice, you serve somebody, but then you realize, boy, I live, I die. Hmm. Within a couple of generations, no one knows who I was. Right. You know, it's this and Solomon said, Yeah, the 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 sun rises, the sun sets, and the wind blows from here to there, and it just keeps going on and on. And if that's all there is, yeah, it's meaningless, really, in, in the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without eternity, without God. Yeah. And I, I love the, I think the beat, the beatitudes, right, in the gospels. Right. Show what the what is blessed, right? Show what is beautiful. Show what is good, and gives kind of a new vision or a new perspective of this. These are these are things that are good, right? These are things to seek after. Um, That's right. Yeah, just encouraging. Well, I was thinking there's a there's a few other kind of points I had as well. One you of them, it. and um, I think this has been really. Um, uh, I think challenging for for a lot of folks um, is the, the is Christianity too exclusive, right? Or right. For and for some folks, is it too inclusive, right? And so, what is the what is the role of or what is true about the inclusivity or the exclusivity of the gospel 
of Christianity. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, kind of on just a street level say, well, look, aren't there many ways to the top of the mountain? I'm like, God's on the top, and you got Buddhism and Judaism and Islam and Christianity, and mm-hmm. how come you're how come you're going to say your way is the only right way, and everybody else is wrong? That sounds really arrogant and prideful and not very nice, intolerant. Mm. And what's fascinating when you really study Christianity is it's just the opposite. So Christianity is actually inclusive. And there's probably some, you know, really familiar verses that you might have heard, like, for God so loved the world, the whole world, John 3, 16. Or the Bible says God doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And that's kind of the whole big story of the gospel is that Jesus came for everyone, not just one ethnic group, not just Mm. one kind of person, but for not just, you know, like white suburban people. In fact, mm-hmm. the reality is so different than that. Christianity started in the Mediterranean world mm. and North Africa. And today, Christianity is the most culturally diverse religion in the world. Mm-hmm. So there are more Christians in more countries, more ethnicities, more language groups by, than any other religion by far. So what you realize is Christianity is inclusive. Nobody's excluded Christ came for everyone, every human being, no matter what you've done, who you are, what you look like, Mm. he's for you. So what's Mm. exclusive is truth itself. Just by its very nature, truth is intolerant of error. And we we know that. In fact, Mm. it's a good thing. Like uh, if you're going to see your medical doctor and you want your knee operated on, you pretty much want him to operate on the correct knee. Like we'd like our surgeon to be very exact right, and right. not make errors or you jump in a plane. You want the pilot to fly that plane correctly and you want him to land on the right runway, uh, Correct. exclusive of the wrong runways. Right. And right. that's just the nature of truth itself. Sure. Uh, you can't have two opposite truths that are two, two, two things that are true at the same time in the same way. A and not a can't both be true. Like, it's, it's, it's just kind of some sloppy thinking to think, well, there's a bunch of roads to the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Well, what's on the top of the mountain? Well, God and religion and morality. Uh, well, let's just ask about that one more time. So Hindus believe in many gods, polytheism. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole bunch of gods on the top of the mountain. Well, Islam believes in one God, Allah. Well, some forms of Buddhism believe there's no God. Mm-hmm. Christianity believes there's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm. They can't all be on the top of the mountain. I mean, right. it, it's it's intellectually dishonest. And right. frankly, it's insulting to every religion to say, yeah. oh, they're all basically the same. Really? Right. That's, that's, not, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I we came across someone and we were doing some outreach and that was... That was the one of the challenges. Well, you, you know, everyone, they all kind of make the same basic claims of some morality of some, you know, of um, this, this is the good way of living. And they all, you know, and you can kind of, and here's the thing, you, you can, if it works for you, if it's good for you, then that'll be, then, then you're fine, right? But as long as you don't offend anyone else, right? Um, but I think naturally, if you believe in something, then it's going to, and someone else doesn't believe that, then I feel like then there'll be a conflict sometime, or at least there's a, a, a disagreement perhaps, right? Yeah, just, just about truth itself. You know, right. you can, um, when you, when you think about this and, and, and one thought is, 
that tolerance is to say, look, we can all be right. It works for you, works for me, that's all fine. That's really a, a pretty soft view of tolerance. Um, kind of we can all be right. Really, tolerance is to say we disagree and I can still accept you and you, we can still be friends or be cordial. And Christianity actually mm -hmm. calls us to a virtue beyond, above tolerance, more mm -hmm. than tolerance. It calls us to love each other. Mm -hmm. And even Jesus says, love our quote-unquote enemies, which in that day would be like people different from you. And so Christianity has even a higher call. Mm -hmm. And certainly everyone has the right to believe anything they want to believe. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that what you believe is correct or true. Mm -hmm. Just because you have the right to believe it doesn't mean that that doesn't make it true. And some, a lot of people make, uh, make confused preferences with truth. So hmm. I like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Maybe you like strawberry. I don't know, Tyler, what do you like? But that's just a difference in preference. Right. But if you said, if we, walk, if we both went and got ice cream cones and we're sitting there eating ice cream and you said, I'm eating broccoli, I'd be like, um, no, you're eating ice cream. You know, it, it, that's right. just not true. Right. So there's a difference between what's true and what's hmm. a preference. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's helpful. One of the things that just came to mind too is, I mean, even thinking about the Christian faith, right? Yeah, there's, I mean, every other faith is in a particular part of the world, part of the country, ethnic group. But I mean, even Genesis 1 talks about the image of God. We're made in the image right. of God, right? And so even back in the ancient times, there's a king who would be a representative kind of of a deity. And so it would almost have like this extra privileged place. But I, what I'm, if I'm interpreting it correctly, you know, is we believe that we are all made in the image of God and all share in the same, we're all the same in the eyes of God, right? And that's, I think, the most inclusive thing that, or it's a very inclusive claim that it's, is made, right? I think you're is, exactly right. There are so many countries and tribes who have like a tribal God, or a territorial God that's part of that region, that, that group, that tribe. But Christianity crosses all the world, mm. all tribes, all religions, all regions, all languages, all people. Mm. And that, that's really unique and incredibly inclusive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Old, every color, mm -hmm. every, every um, economic level, it's everybody. Mm -hmm. here's, a, here's a question I think is one of the ones you uh, bring up here, which I, I think is... At least some of these seem to register more. You hear them more frequently, sure, perhaps. Sure. Is um, at least kind of in our context here. Is the Bible a trustworthy source of knowledge? Um, and so, in your so I was you know reading through the book, and you have a lot of you know just start when everyone's listening. Bruce has a lot of good references and a lot of good you know a lot of good uh, a lot of good research behind this too. So he's a trustworthy source, all right. But what makes the Bible so trustworthy? Yeah, it's a great big question. Is the Bible reliable? It's a fair question, and I think a one worth asking. And the good news is there's been a lot of research on this. Actually, it's the it's the longest chapter in my book because it's the, really the most complex or has the most dimensions to it. But I'll tell you on the good news side is a lot of people, um, just one simple thing is a lot of people think the Bible's a translation of a translation of a translation. There's this old game. Have you ever heard of it called the telephone game? It's oh, like yeah. You miss it in circle and – Somebody tells the story to somebody on the right, and then they tell it to the next person, the next person, all the way around the circle. And by the time it gets around, it's like totally messed up. It's not, nothing like the original. And so a lot of right. people think that's the right. way the Bible is, that the Bible you're holding in your hand, I mean, come on. It's a translation of a translation of a translation over hundreds of years 
Of course it's all muddled. It can't be anything close to the original. Here's the good news. That's not the case at all. That's a common misunderstanding hmm. and, and understandable why somebody might think that. But the reality is that translators of your English Bible today, like a standard good translation, mm -hmm. go back to the oldest manuscripts in Greek and Hebrew, and they look at the, at the, the, the closest to the original sources they've got, and today we actually have more manuscripts. They get discovered in monasteries and around the world, mm -hmm. and then people are digitizing them with pretty sophisticated technology. Mm -hmm. So translators have access to more manuscripts today of the Bible than ever before. And not only the Bible, but one of the ways you know what words mean is you look for how they're used in other literature of the time and also cultural context and all that. Well, we have more ancient literature of all kinds from the time the Bible's hmm. written, times the Bible's written. So your, your English Bible translation today is the most accurate translation of the Bible that's ever existed. Hmm. Like it's way more accurate than Bibles a hundred years ago, a thousand right. years ago. Right. That's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. And is that just, is that just kind of through archeological evidence and yeah, findings? Like, and... like discovery people probably heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Right. That was only discovered in the last, you know, 50, 70 years. And so the Dead Sea Scrolls get at really increased our knowledge of the Old Testament and right. Hebrew literature. That's right. That's right. So here's at least some of the questions I've heard, but perhaps you've kind of addressed these or, you know, have some sure. thoughts around these as well. And so, sure. yeah. And so, right, this, the, the, the Bible, the times that the Bible was written in is very different than the, the American world, the challenges, the injustices or the way of approaching the worldview of, of an, a modern American here. What makes the, you know, the Bible that was written 2000 years ago, still relevant to our current situation? Yeah, great question. And of course, people have seen the Bible be relevant all through thousands of years. And what's amazing is the Bible is the most translated book by far in the world. It's translated into parts of it are translated into over 3,500 languages now. Mm -hmm. And as far as we know, it's the best selling book ever. So um, it's had incredible impact and relevance in the lives of billions of people all mm -hmm. over the world. Now, when you study it, you want to, it's worth not only reading the Bible, but really studying it and studying mm -hmm. what are, what is the cultural context behind different metaphors and images. Like the Bible talks about shepherding sheep. Right. King David was a shepherd. Well, I don't shepherd sheep. I don't have any sheep in my backyard. It's right, a little bit right. of a distant image for me. So to really understand that image, it's worth studying a little bit about what was it like to hmm. herd sheep back in that time? Mm -hmm. And that will give you more insight into Psalm 23, for instance, famous Psalm that David wrote. Um, and, and yet it still applies to us today, even though we mm -hmm. might not have sheep in our backyard. Right. Right. No, it's true. It's true. And, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking about the, the shepherd and John 10. And so right. thinking about the good shepherd and, you know, takes care of the sheep. Well, what does that, what does that mean? That's, it's, it can seem distant because of the, right, the agri agricultural society and culture back then. But understanding, yeah, doing that research too can help. There's a true story that to us today. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. And I, yeah, and, I, and I, it seems like a lot of the struggles that we're facing today, there's similar struggles that have happened 2,000 exactly years right. ago. And so it's not like there's new things that are under the sun here, but it's a lot of ancient 
things that have we're just perhaps seeing them in a little bit differently, but it's yeah. to the core. Like so many people feel like I can't come back to God. I have screwed up my life so bad. I have messed up. I've I've done some things I am right. ashamed of. I wouldn't even tell anybody what goes through my head and the things I've done. And then there's this amazing story in the Bible of the prodigal son hmm. who runs off and messes up his life majorly, right. comes home pretty nervous about how his dad's going to respond, but right. he's run out of money and he's nothing he can do but go home. Hmm. Well, guess that could be a story. To, that story's told today over and over again about people messing up their life and coming home. And in fact, these days, so many younger people are coming back to live with their parents not necessarily because they messed up their life, but finances. And, and in the in the story of the Bible, in the biblical story, Jesus tells this parable, and the father welcomes the son and and throws this big party right, for right. him and gives him these gifts of a robe and a ring that represent wealth. And the image is God. Hmm. God's the father, and he welcomes sons and daughters who come back to him. Mm-hmm. And so this is an, a, a truth that's so relevant to us today that you don't have to be mm. um, hesitant to come back to God, even though you may have wandered far away. Man, he is waiting mm. for you to return, so ready to throw his arms around you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and the Bible, it just it's so beautiful. It's so, you know, it's, if any, I don't know if someone once said, oh, the Bible is pretty basic and simple. Well, in a sense it is, but it's also, because it can be clear and easy to understand, but it's also super rich too. And when you, yeah, when you really look, is. when you start reading into it and you start getting into it, I think it's beautiful. And, you know, when sometimes I go back in, I'm like, oh, wow, I never even noticed that. Or I never, I didn't understand the, the magnitude of what this statement was. And so it's all, there's always something revealing and illuminating um, when you read it as well, which I think is exciting because it's, it's not a, it's not a dead book, but it's living and active and is, is speaking yeah, you're, and communicating. You're looking for wisdom for your life. Whatever age you are, whatever stage you're in, single, married, kids or not, man, the Bible is where to go. And so many of us, when we're looking for how do I figure out my marriage, my job, my parenting, we go run for books written by all kind of other people. And they, there's some good stuff in them. But I'm like, man, go to the source. Right. If the Bible is from God in some way that it's the word of God, he made us. He's the creator. Like. Mm. We want his wisdom. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, Tyler, man, so many times you read it and you pray and go, man, God, speak to me. Mm. And all of a sudden these insights come to you, comfort, conviction, mm. direction for your life. Mm. It's, uh, it is super powerful. Yeah. Amen. Well, there's all, I, we could talk for a long time. I have, I have plenty of questions myself and I'm sure others do as well. And so what are some good resources um, to that maybe might be helpful for folks who are, Right. You know what? I'm, I'm kind of liking some of these questions. I'd like to learn a little bit more, perhaps even do a little more digging and investigation sure. myself. And then ju- and just where to find you. And then just where to find your book as well. Yeah, jump into the book. Um, you can go to brucebmiller.com. That's my website, brucebmiller.com. Gives you my, this book and other books I've written. And also you can jump into, I, I did a, uh, a series of sermons on these seven questions. So it's like mm-hmm. about a 30-minute message mm-hmm. on each question. Maybe you prefer a video. They're all on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you can pop on to, to YouTube through my website and get to those seven sermons. That might be helpful to you. Mm-hmm. And um, actually even have a website, sevenbigquestions.com. Mm-hmm. that has got little super short, like two or three right. minute videos on each question. If you want like a, a super quick, just like, you know, short response, that'd be helpful. But if you want to dig in, 
and grab a copy of the book. It's on Amazon. It's on book retailers all over. So mm. wherever you buy books, if you Thank like you. Amazon, great. If you don't like Amazon, buy it somewhere else. <laughs> Hot take. Yeah. You like Amazon or do you not like Amazon? Just, just drove by the other day or just today and there's this huge brand new Amazon warehouse. And so it's, uh, it's, it's certainly, you, you can't miss Amazon. <laughs> no. Um, but thank you. And, and just, you know, I, I know we mentioned there's, you know, a lot of references to books and articles and other things you've read and, but is there just a few that have been the most influential to you and to thinking and, uh, maybe some, yeah, just some books or resources that we can point other folks to and to, in addition to some of the, to, you know, to, to the work that you've done. Yeah. I'd say drive, drive into the footnotes on the question that matters to you. Like I find not everybody has all seven questions. There might be one or two or three that you're like, Man, that, that's really my question. Hmm. And so like you said, Tyler, we've got a lot of references in the footnotes. We try not to cloud the chapter up. Uh, in fact, the book's written for people who don't know anything about the Bible or not even been in church. Right. All the Bible references are in footnotes. So it's just very readable for like the average person. To, to dig in. And then when you want to go deeper, dive into the footnotes hmm. and there's all sorts of references on, depending on the question, you're going to drive into sure. books that are be relevant to that specific question. Sure. Okay. Well, thank you. It's been a joy and, a, and an honor. Thanks for, for sharing a little bit about some of the, really your heart and the work you've been, God has put to you uh, to, to communicate. And so thank you. Yeah, Tyler, thanks for having me on. I just really appreciate it, and I hope this can be a, can be a blessing, be an encouragement to each of you. Amen.